You're listening to the Sphere Now ESG podcast on Spark, Sphere's safety, sustainability, and productivity thought leadership website. Sphere is the leading provider of ESG performance and risk management software, data, and consulting services. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Sphere Now ESG podcast, a program focused on safety, sustainability, and productivity topics. I'm Philippe Guillard, the Vice President of Global Solutions here at Sphera, and today we're joined by Dr. Sandy Smith, our VP of Sales for EHSNS in the European and uh, Middle Eastern regions. Sandy, thank you for joining. Pleasure, Philippe. Nice to be here. Great. We're going to be discussing today the SEC's March 21st Climate Disclosure Proposal, which is loosely based on the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, or TCFD. If the SEC proposal is passed, it will force publicly traded companies in the U.S. to measure and report on scope one, two, and three emissions, as well as all climate-related risks that could materially affect the company's performance. Larger companies will have to comply in 2023, and smaller publicly traded companies in 2024. This podcast is the third one in a three-part series on this topic, and today we're talking about climate risk, how to address it, what you will need, and how to report on it. To begin, though, first... I'm going to give a quick overview of the SEC's proposal, and then we'll get into the discussion. The SEC's proposed rules entails a number of provisions, all aimed at helping investors better understand how climate-related risks, including those that companies contribute to, affect that business's operations, strategies, and financial performance. Most important provisions to note include the following. One, mandatory reporting of Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions, which must be fully audited by a third party to validate. Two, Mandatory reporting of Scope 3 emissions if they are material to the business's financial performance or if the companies have made public commitments to Scope 3 reductions. You often hear CEOs in industry saying they plan to be carbon zero by a certain date, those sorts of things. Three, mandatory reporting of all climate-related risks that could materially affect the company's performance, everything from natural disasters being exacerbated by global warming to the impact of potential carbon taxes. And finally, the proposed rule offers a phased implementation with the largest organizations expected to comply by 2023 and smaller public organizations by 2024. It also includes carve-outs and exceptions, as well as significant flexibility when it comes to whether and how businesses measure and report their Scope 3 emissions. Sandy, for the audience, in straightforward terms, can you help define climate risk as it relates to the context of the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, or TCFD? Thanks for that, Philip. So TCFD puts climate risk into two categories, right? So it has physical risk as the first. So you've got the classic sea level rise, increased extreme weather events, heat stress, all in physical risk. And then everything else is bucketed in this one big transition risk. In there, we have a lot of myths. So we have policy risk. We have legal risk in terms of changing legislations, internal prices of carbon. We have technology risk, we have market risk, and we also have reputational risks. Two main ones, physical and transitional, but with transitional, it covers quite a number of topics. So that's great, Sandy. I think on the physical side, I think that's quite straightforward to understand. It's probably another thing to actually mitigate those risks. But on the transition side, I think you said it was basically all the other kind of risks you run into. If I understand that correctly, that's not only risk obviously to your operation as it transitions to meet these climate-related challenges, but also I'm assuming it's how it has to interact with its peers and regulators as they change as well. Like it's a moving target in a lot of places. So it's really evaluating those things. Have I got that right? Yes, they're both difficult to kind of quantify, both the physical and the transitional one. But yeah, on the transitional side, that evolving regulatory framework is different. It's obviously global. 
So monitoring it across your value chain across the US or in Europe or in, in APAC with the different regulations from the technology side, you know, what are your competitors doing? Uh, how are you transitioning out of fossil fuels into, into renewable technologies? How quickly you can do it and some of the associated risks with some of those new technologies in place. So both sides on the physical and on the transactional risk, it's quite complicated to assess. Thank you for that clarity. That does sound like a handful, but <laughs> I know we'll work through it. So back to the SEC just for a minute and its uh, its proposal. As part of that run-through we gave at the beginning, you know, we know that it's going to be loosely based on the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, or TCFD, as an overarching framework on how to manage climate risk. So giving some of that clarity, can you give us a rundown on TCFD and its approach for that framework on climate risk? So it's been around since 2017, so it's been around for a long period of time, and particularly the UK. So it's interesting that in the US they're, they're kind of looking to put into a regulatory framework, but it's already in a regulatory framework in the UK. It was started and chaired by our ex-governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, a Canadian, and it has four main components to it. It has the metrics and targets, which as far as we're, we're very interested in. You mentioned it in, in SEC before about calculating your scope one, scope two, and scope three numbers. So how are you coming up with those numbers? How are you kind of assessing the carbon impact of your business and your value chain? It then has the risk management process. So how are you describing and identifying which of those risks we talked about before impact your, your business and then your strategic component what are the opportunities are they are those risks short medium or long term can you describe the impacts associated with those opportunities and risks on your strategy and your financial planning and then the last it gets wrapped up into this governance process where within the tcfd framework you're providing a description of the board's oversights to that how do management come into this? How frequently are you reporting up and, and also into what structures are you reporting those risk uh, matrix? So it comes up into these four main buckets, governance strategy, risk management and metrics and targets. So that's interesting. You know, that approach is, it sounds like it's very well thought out, but what I do like about it as well, I mean, certainly, you know, identifying the risk, mitigating risk, but also finding opportunities there within, which I think is a good way to look at it. Because although there is some change, I'm sure there's going to be some also things that we can work on better, so to speak. Another thing you said there, Sandy, I thought was interesting was that, of course, the SEC is related to U.S. publicly traded companies, et cetera, but that it's loosely based on the TCFD guidance. And from your description, that was, you know, it sounds like a lot of that was sort of developed in Europe. So I don't want to say culturally, but, but generally, you know, having something that was largely, I'm going to say, thought up in Europe, if you will. But how does Europe handle that differently than, say, a U.S. company would, if we've got that insight as of yet? Yeah, I think, that's, I think the global perspective uh, is really good. So TCFD does seem to be getting kind of international recognition. I kind of, I mentioned it before, but this spring, so effectively right now, we'll be seeing the first TCFD disclosures for publicly listed businesses within the UK. So I think that's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they've done and how they've used that framework, because it is a very broad overarching framework. We've got the US, but also if we go into APAC, into Japan, also we're kind of TCF, we're seeing the TCFD mentioned in the regulatory frameworks the same as it's being mentioned within the within the in the US ones. And because it's a broad framework, as you as you hinted, the, there's some massive differences within approaches. So we're going to see potentially some very good disclosures and, and some very poor disclosures, all reporting within within the TCFD framework. But I think some of the differences between the US and, and Europe, I think second you mentioned it in the in the start is very much about looking at the impacts of climate change to your business from a financial perspective. And again, we have the short, medium and long term. And if we if we think the TCFD sometimes talk about short term being a quarterly basis and medium term maybe being one or two years, 
there's some argumentation to say in certain sectors there may be very little impact from climate change on your business within those kind of short-term uh, timeframes. The climate change, even though we have to get to the net zero quickly, some of the impacts are potentially on a more longer timeframe than a quarter-by-quarter, year-by-year basis. If we look on a European marketplace, we have this concept of double materiality. So you're looking at the risk perspective, not only from the financial side, which is, which is great and important, but also how your business also interacts back into the environment. So it may not be a significant risk for you and the business from a financial perspective in the next you know, one to two years, but your business may be having a significant impact on the environment and therefore that double materiality perspective then within the European businesses would be encouraged to also disclose in those aspects. It sounds like TCFD is, is is being a little more widely adopted. I won't say it's like a standard by any means, but if it's certainly an APAC in Europe and, and, and the US is, you know, basing things on that loosely, I'm assuming that's a sign that it's it's something that can be followed, right? Like it's, it's a good framework, right? But I guess what you also brought up there is that there's going to be challenges depending on not necessarily geography, but, but approach to how that framework is filled out when it comes to uh, double materiality versus not or versus the financial performance. So, I mean, with that in mind, I mean, I guess the next logical thing to talk about is challenges. And what do you see, Sandy, as the key challenges when it comes to measuring and managing these climate risks from either different geographies or different portions of the world or, or just in general? I think the big aspect is that the TCFD, I think, is a very good framework, but as, as all frameworks, it has a lot of optionality in there. So, you know, two identical businesses can disclose in line with the TCFD, but will come up with completely different outcomes. You know, it, it is very challenging to model, never mind the risk and, and then how that risk affects your business, but, but it's very challenging to model what is going to be the physical risk for climate change, right? So, we, you know, we, we can't predict the weather next Tuesday. It is challenging to know what the impact of the climate will be in all my different locations in terms of whether it's going to be in Miami, whether it's going to be in Hyderabad, whether it's going to be in Sydney or London. In a global business, understanding that impact in one, three, five years time is shrouded in uncertainty. And then applying that back on how it's going to impact my business is really difficult. So we know on a on a macro level, we know climate change is going to have a really big impact. We know generally the earth is going to get warmer as we increase the number of greenhouse gases. But putting that into a risk framework and, and making decisions from it, you know, TCFD is trying to allow or, or provide a mechanism for better decisions. So better disclosures, better transparency. So if I'm transferring capital, I've got, I've got more information to make more appropriate decisions. That part of it, I think, is going to be really difficult in terms of taking that great amount of uncertainty with regard to climate risk. On a, on a short, medium and a long-term perspective and put it into a, a financial decision-making process. That, that's where the key challenges are going to be. Well, now that's, I think, an interesting observation. So, I mean, fully understand, obviously, the, the, the climate change initiatives and, you know, I, I love how it's getting more adopted by industry and obviously the SEC getting involved. But just when you take a step back, what have you seen or what are you seeing in industry? You know, when I think about business, I mean, we're all part of businesses. You know, we're very uh, metrics driven and by certain timelines, you know, like what's happening this quarter, what's happening next quarter. You know, when you get out two financial years, except for the very large big players, I mean, similar to what you said, like it, it's a little more hazy and not all businesses have the luxury of actually, I shouldn't say luxury, but, you know, looking that far forward if they're a you know, small, challenging business and they're, and they're trying to, you know, get things done for the next year. How do we harmonize those things? I mean, we've got the focus on climate-related uh, change, which I think would only benefit your business because you're going to be able to adapt to the coming changes. But aligning those kind of short-term stresses that a, a company would feel in terms of, you know, meeting the numbers, for lack of a better term, with also harmonizing that with the more future uh, forward-looking TCFD. 
I think, I think it's to encourage the, I mean, within TCFD, again, we talked about it short, medium and long term. Short term, you, you know, you're not going to see much, but I think kind of look at that medium and long term and bring that within your TCFD disclosures. So I'd, I'd be, you know, encouraging the businesses using that TCFD framework to, to you know, look at that three to five and try to get to that 10 year framework where, where I think the risks and the opportunities on climate change are, are, are much more transparent. So, you know, we're seeing it with the oil and gas uh, marketplace in terms of diversifying their business and moving into uh, renewable technologies as, as a way to manage that risk because they know from a transitional perspective their assets in the ground the policy frameworks the regulatory frameworks the internal carbon price frameworks would mean that those assets uh, are going to largely remain or some of it's going to remain in the ground so they have to find new forms of, of energy so you can see them assessing that risk and you can see them uh, divesting into, into other forms of business so you can see it working on the macro level, just in, in the detail, it can be quite murky. No, that's still a start though. I mean, if something that being complex can get that started, I mean, that's that's actually quite enlightening. That's great. There's a lot we've talked about, Sandy. I mean, you've covered a lot of ground, a lot of interesting items, uh, some of the challenges, et cetera. As we come to the close of the podcast, if you could offer one piece of advice for organizations starting their journey on uh, tackling climate-related risk disclosures, what would it be? So we, we talked about a lot of the risks and maybe some of the negative side of it, but also within the TCFD, you're looking at those opportunities. So there is a green revolution going on over the next three to five years. Some people liken it to what we had in the industrial revolution. So the opportunities of businesses to succeed, gain market share or completely new businesses be created to take advantage of this new low carbon, you know, net zero economy, I think, I think is significant, right? So we, I mean, we see that with examples like Tesla that have come in with a, a low carbon uh, solution, a new technology that's been disruptive in the marketplace. And now they've become, you know, from uh, almost nowhere in a short period of time to be one of the largest businesses globally. So I think I encourage businesses to look at the opportunities that could be within this TCFT framework and not just look at it as a, as a risk mitigation, but also kind of ability to kind of grow and make your business more successful. Well, Dr. Smith, I want to thank you for your time today. That was very insightful. We really appreciate attending. Uh, to our audience, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon on the next Sphere podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Sphere Now ESG podcast on Spark. We hope you enjoyed the show. Want more safety, sustainability, and productivity-related blogs and podcasts? Subscribe to Spark today. Visit sphere.com backslash spark and let's spark a conversation.